missed her for two weeks. So let's pray for those families. And then we have a very special prayer request. Jim Schmidt, a precious man that attends this church, has been battling illness for a very long time. One thing after another after another. And I just felt the Lord laid on my heart Specifically, everybody has been praying for him. We have an awesome prayer request um, ministry that gets those prayer requests out to us. But I want us to, together, concentrating on this prayer request, pray for Jim. That God would not only heal his body, but strengthen his spirit. He is tired. He's tired of being sick. And when you get tired, unfortunately, the enemy takes advantage of that. He knows when you're tired, and he comes in and tries to discourage. So I would like you to raise your hands, and we are going to pray for Jim Schmidt right now, and we are going to pray for specific things, healing in his body and strengthen his spirit. Amen. Right now, Lord Jesus, we bring Jim before you, asking you to strengthen him in a mighty way. God, that he would feel your presence flow over him right now. Minister to his wife, Paula, Lord God. You have seen the battle. You have seen the many things that have come against his body, Lord. And you've brought him back to church. God, you see him. He is not lost to you. And we're asking you, God, that you visit him today in a mighty way. And not only that you would heal his body, but God... We want you to strengthen his spirit. Lord, that your anointing would flow over him right now, Jesus. That he would feel you all around him like a mighty cloud, Lord. That his spirit would be, be encouraged, Lord. That your word would come alive in him and begin to flow through him. Lord, send him songs of worship, Jesus, to encourage him. In your precious name, we're believing you for it, God. We're asking it for it, Jesus, and we're agreeing in your name. That it will be done in the mighty name of Jesus. If you come to this house with a need, you can trust him with it. So as we worship, just say, okay, Jesus, this one's yours. Don't go through this service heavy. You don't have to leave like you came because he's the way maker. The miracle worker. I've seen him do it. Cindy is sitting in church today. Open heart surgery. We prayed over her. She is here in church today. Ready to worship. Is that a beautiful thing? That's our Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Just let him do whatever he wants to do today. Amen. Whatever you feel him speaking to your heart. However you want to worship and express yourself to him. He delights in all of it.
<laughs> and then I drove in the parking lot. I was like, the white blossoms are coming out on the trees. And my mom was like, let me see, let me see. And I was just excited all by myself. But I was excited in my spirit because if we just do what we are created to do, just as in nature, that brings glory to God. That's his plan being played out in front of our eyes. And when we do what we were created to do and worship him and live for him and celebrate him and share him with someone else, we are doing what we were created to do. And others will look and say, that is the glory of God. Not of ourselves. Because we can look at one another, the evidence of God's goodness in this room is overwhelming. And we can look at one another and say, glory to God. That's the glory of God walking around. When you look at your family at Spirit of Grace, there's a whole lot of glory. Praise God. That's why I love being together, because I've heard your stories. I hear your stories when you're in the midnight hour. And then I see you come and I see you worship him. Hands raised, hell breaking loose in your life, but you're standing in his presence and you're lifting him up and you're turning those situations over to him. And then we get to hear the grace reports. Just when I thought it was over. Just when the mouth of that lion was getting ready to consume me, God shut that lion's mouth. Praise God. I have felt the lion roaring in the last few weeks. And I have woken up in the night pleading the blood of Jesus over my family and over this church family because I know I can plead the blood of Jesus and go right back to sleep. That power is available to his children. Everybody say, if you're a guy, say I'm a son. If you're a girl, say I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. I am not the second cousin once removed. I am not the ugly stepchild. I am not who the enemy says I am. I am his son or his daughter. That's it. Praise God. The name of Jesus is powerful and it's here in this place and it's available to you. Amen. So let's worship his great name. Let's worship his great name. Hallelujah. Lost are saved. Find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned. Feel no Oh uh-huh. 
set the captive free, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty. Praise God, are you feeling bound today? He has come to set you free. Praise God. We're getting ready to run out of that grave.
Praise God. Isn't God good? Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Don't stop worshiping. Praise God. What a wonderful opportunity that we have to be in the house of the Lord today. Praise God. It's so good to know that no matter what's going on in life, there is a safe haven in the presence of God. The Bible says it's a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And uh, I consider Spirit of Grace a great tower of refuge. Praise God. It's so good to see all of our guests here today. Thank you for being with us. We pray that something that is said or done will be very personal to you today. Praise God. We're going to baptize some people. And we have just made a declaration that we're going to have a baptism Sunday every month. And uh, it's just the easiest way to do things. It doesn't take long. And uh, so our next one after this will be the Sunday after Father's Day. I don't know what day that is. My phone is on the camera. <laughs> but it'll be then. So just write it down. And uh, because baptisms are one of, if not the most important thing that we can do as a church. Is to baptize people in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited about that. I want to say before we get into the word of the Lord this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those that came and worked so hard yesterday in moving mulch and cleaning and pulling weeds and uh, all kinds of things. And then getting, uh, the, some of you were in here getting the Sunday school ready to go for next week. And so we're just so thankful for all of your hard work and the hours that you put in. Got a little warm yesterday. And soon, uh, but that's all right. It won't last long, I'm sure. It's a praise God. I want to read three passages of scripture, and uh, I just feel over the next couple of months um, of preaching on this, and it, it, I'm not saying it'll be every week, but in the next couple of months, I'm going to be covering some things that I can label under. Operation Restoration. Operation Restoration. I just feel very strongly. I'm very thankful for our Chain Breaker Ministry. And uh, I believe. And I believe in the power of restoration. I have seen too many people's lives be dented by the accidents and the hard knocks of lives. Uh, and of life in general and suffer with those dents. How many have ever had just a car accident and you just decided not to fix the dent? Just stay in that way. We've all been there. It's not how God does things though. The dents will come, the scrapes will come, the full out falling apart will come, but God is in the business of restoring us to what he intended us to be. So I'm going to start tonight, today, with Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse number 14, says it this way. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Everybody have ever asked that question? I just don't understand. I don't get you. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Verse number 18 is where I'll focus in on. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do good, or I want to do what is right, but I can't. And then if you'll turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 12 says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God. Everybody say, for God. For God. Or because God. 
is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And then the last scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? So today I want to title this message, and I need the chain breaker people to help me for just a second and put you on the spot. See how much you know. Pop quiz. What's step number one? She said it right, I think. Let me put it into Tim Sanders' verse. And this is the first part of my title. I can't. What's the second step? See, somebody knows Tim Sanders. He just bypassed the actual step. Yes, God can. Thank you very much. I can't, but God can. And step three? So let him. I want to preach on this subject. I can't, but God can. So why don't you let him? You see, you and I are so predictable. Every single one in here is predictable. Because I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that every single one of us have tried to figure out life on our own from time to time. And we, we, we try to manipulate and figure out what class to take and where to go and what job to have and what kind of car to have and what kind of home to buy and, and where to go. And then you're hearing all different kinds of voices from all different areas of life saying, well, it should be this way and it should be that way. And you should be looking at this and you should be investing in that and doing this. And, and before long, our brains are just a bunch of mush. Just, just scrabbled it in there. You just, you're, you're, you're trying to undo the puzzle, if you will. And, and every time you think you're doing right, you find out, no, that wasn't the right thing to do. And every time you think you've messed up, well, maybe that was actually the right thing that I was supposed to do. And it gets so confusing. Can I tell you that if that's ever been your case, and just let me just, by a quick raising of hands, how many, how many does that apply to? Okay, our hands all over the place. Can I tell you, you are a great, great company today. Because the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 7 exactly for that reason. He, he wrote the chapter saying, I don't do what I know I'm supposed to do, and I do what I know I'm not supposed to do, but I don't want to do what I'm not supposed to do, but I still do what I'm supposed to do. Confusing. The puzzle gets just exploded. Now, I've never been somebody that likes puzzles. I know there's some people in here that will sit down and you'll take six months and do a 1,500-piece puzzle on your table. And my question is always why. Because <laughs> you get it done and you break it up and put it back into the box. I'm just teasing. But our life gets that way. And how many have ever done, my grandmother did puzzles all the time, and there was one time I remember very clearly walking over, uh, and she had just gotten done, except there was one piece missing. And she couldn't, exactly, that's what my grandmother said too. It, it, it was just, she couldn't find, she looked under the tissue, looked everywhere, and just could never find it, so finally she just got frustrated, and in her German, and I'm not going to use the words because I don't know if it's a cuss word or not, but <clears throat> it's in German, I didn't understand it. And she just said it and then folded it all up and threw it back in the box and threw it on the shelf. Because she was frustrated because the one piece was missing. How many have ever been that way with life? Everything seems to be falling into place that all of a sudden it's missing something. And then all of a sudden it just gets so frustrating because you're looking here and you're looking here and you're looking here and you're trying this and you're trying this job and you're trying this hobby and you're trying this atmosphere and you're trying this relationship and you're trying this and you're trying that and none of those things fit the missing piece. 
Can I tell you that is inside of you, the puzzle that is your life, there is a missing piece that was there, that was created in you from the very beginning. And that empty piece or that missing piece is so that when your life gets all put together, that one missing piece gets filled by him. He's the one that is missing in your life. Whenever you figure out the puzzle of your life is missing something, I would encourage you to turn and say, okay, Jesus, it must be you that I'm really looking for. Why did I spend all my time trying to put this together and not understanding that it's you that, is, that, that, that I need to have? You see, because I can't do everything in my own self. I can't figure it out on my own. And, and can I just, looking back at, I mean, Paul pretty much just tells you it like it is. Um, I want you to, to look back with me in, in chapter 7 here. Um, he, 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 he says something that, I don't know, it just kind of slaps me in the face. He says it this way. I discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he says, thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ. He, he, just a little bit further, he, he, he says in verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. Well, that pretty much shoots the whole philosophy that, well, I'm just a good person. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, how many of you have ever, how many have ever said it to you? Well, I'm just a good person. No, I don't cheat, I don't lie. And if somebody ever tells me that they don't cheat and they don't lie, I'll look at them and say, well, you just cheated and you just lied. Because I have a question for you. How many have ever gone 60 miles an hour in a 55 zone? Because, well, pastor, there's no speed limits in the Bible. Oh, there is. It may not be a set speedometer kind of law. But when you break the laws of the land, you're breaking the laws. As long as those laws don't hinder the word of God, we're supposed to be abiding by those laws. Now, I don't know about you, but the flip side of that is, how many of you like to drive 40 in a 65? And, you, and all of you are groaning because you've been behind somebody that's driven 40 in a 65. And for those of you that have driven behind those that drive 40 in a 65, let me ask you how long until you got angry. <laughs> you floored it and spun by them, greeting them in Jesus' name. <laughs> you see, we may think that we're a good person. I said that, and it's kind of funny, but... There is a principle in scripture that is written out by God that says if you offend the law in one thing, you have offended the law in all things, which means that there is nothing good in me because I have offended the laws of God in small things. Therefore, I'm guilty of offending the law in a lot of things. So yes, I may not be a murderer, but I have lied and I've been an offender of the same law that the murderer is, a, is an offender of. We are both in the same boat. We're both not very good. Is one worse than the other? Well, maybe in our eyes of justice, but in the eyes of the law, you are either an offender or you are not an offender. And the problem is, is the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's one thing that you and I have in common before anything else, and that is neither one of us are very good. In fact, none of us here are good. About the only ones that I would classify as good in this house are the innocent babies that haven't been stupid enough to do something stupid yet. The rest of us, over history, I can't do it. I can't. I can't make myself good. 
I can't establish a 21-day habit to make myself good. I can't do enough. I can't pray enough. I can't fast enough. I can't live enough to change that which is in me from darkness to light. I can't do it. I can't make my life uh, walk down the straight and narrow path. I am incapable in myself of becoming something that is good. And Paul is trying to tell us in Romans chapter 7, he is saying, stop trying to do what you think you can do. And later in his writings, he says, that's the reason why I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the only thing that will ever make you good is the fact that God can. You see, you have stepped into an atmosphere today where we're not trying to give you a, a, a ten-step, do this, do this, do this, check this mark, check this mark. We are here to introduce you to the one that can make a difference in your life, the one that can transform your lack of goodness into that which is good. That, that, which, is, that which is marred can become a miracle. That which is torn down can be a treasure. You are a treasure. You have a treasure in earth and vessels, but the vessel is going to be good only because God can make it good. Well, how does God make it good? By being God. He died on a cross for you. He shed his blood for you. Listen, I am so thankful. I said it already. I'm thankful for chain breakers and I'm thankful for the steps. And this message comes from the first three steps. But the steps are just, they're steps. But the steps aren't going to get it. It's the person behind the steps that's going to get it done for you. When you recognize on that first step that you can't do it. And on the second step that he can. You might as well go to him. Here, here's the problem. Is. For some. Well I know, I know the reason why. Let me get real deep and theological for just a second. We are created in the image of God. According to the book of Genesis. Male and female created he him. Okay. So we're created in his image. Which means that in us to a certain extent. Is built and hardwired in us. To figure things out. The number one problem fixer in all of history is God. And we are created in his image. So innate in us is the desire to fix things. Now there's some of us that like to fix things more than others. And they live for fixing things to the point where once they get things fixed, if they have nothing to do, they break it just so they can fix it. I'm serious, there's people that do not know how to live their life if there's not drama going on in their life. I, we've, we've counseled too many to know that there are people like that. And there are people that, well, the puzzle makers, the, the puzzle putter togethers, they get them all together, they tear it all up, put a box, pull another one out, and start putting another one together. Okay? It's a fix. It's a fix. And, and, and we try to fix our lives. Listen, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe that we have to be wise and stewards of the life that God has given us. But can I tell you that your retirement plan isn't going to, to make or break you? Because I can't guarantee it's going to be there for some of us when we get to that point. Does that mean we don't take care of it? No, we work on it. But Jesus will be there. We get so tied up with our jobs and our homes and, and, and all the things that we do. It's just, it's amazing to me that we don't stop and think, oh, wow. This may not be here 10 years from now. But Jesus will. And we get so consumed with the temporary that we miss out on the eternal. And the God that can fix things is the God that is trying to step into our lives on a daily basis to let us know, I've got you. 
We sing the old Sunday school song. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he really does. He really does. I can't. But God can. And if God can, then why won't I let him? Well, Pastor, I, I, I try. I know. So do I. The question's rhetorical. Why don't I let him? Why don't I daily transform my thinking? Why don't I daily let him lead me? Why don't I daily let him guide my footsteps? Why don't I daily let him embrace me and direct my steps? The Bible says this. He wants to direct the steps of a righteous man. And here's what happens, though. God will say, take this step with your right foot. And we say, why not with my left? And we negotiate with God, trying to figure out why God is asking us to do something. When if we would just take a step back and say, I couldn't figure out where to take my next step. He can. He's telling me to take it. Why am I arguing with him or negotiating with him as to whether it's my right foot or my left foot? There's a reason that he wants me to use my right foot, so I might as well use my right foot. You see, we get into this negotiating with God. Well, God, okay, you're wanting me to do this, and I'll give this up, but God, I really don't want to give that up. And the immediate time that we get into that negotiation with him, in between step two and three, we start negotiating with him. In the midst of that negotiation, he's trying to tell somebody, take a step back. You forgot that you can't figure this thing out, but I can, so stop negotiating. Can I tell you what is so frustrating with some people? It is this. Now, I have worked in the laundry business for a while. And, and, I've, it, it, and I've worked with customers that don't understand what an inventory is. And these are purchasers of multi-million, if not billion dollar businesses that I deal with. And they can't figure out that they're paying for a hundred garments every week. And so when I bring them 25 and they're paying for a hundred, they're saying, well, I'm missing 75. I said, no, your 75 are still on your shelf. You just haven't used them. But we only got 25. No, you have 100. It's on your inventory. It hasn't changed in 10 years. You've paid the same amount every week. Now, now Brad's got a different kind of route, so his may fluctuate a little bit. Mine will never fluctuate. They're always the same until I add or take away. And the customer gets frustrated. And I said, okay, here's what I'll do. I will take all of them with me. And you tell me how many to bring. Okay, well then bring 100. Here's the 75 from your shelf. Here's the 25. You see what I'm saying? They don't get it. And they're sitting there negotiating with me and I'm trying to tell them it's right here. And as I was doing that even this week with a customer, I'm saying, how many do you need this week? And they said 100. I said, okay, here's 75 from your shelf and here's 25 that I have in my hand. Here's your 100. I only brought 25 because there was already 70. Are you getting it? Okay, you're better than my customers now. But while I'm negotiating with my customer trying to explain this to them, I'm thinking, I do the same thing with God. God asks me to do something, and, and I'm like, well, I can't do this. He says, it's already in your inventory. It's been sitting on the back shelf of your brain. You're wanting me to give you another 25 to get you to that 100, but you haven't used the 75 that I gave you last week. You see, here's what happens, is when God pours his spirit out on us, he gives it to us in full. He doesn't give it to us piece by piece. He inundates us with the power and the presence and the anointing of God, and we sense his glory come over us and through us, 
and then we turn around and we use 10% of it. And then we wonder why God doesn't come through. He's already come through. You just haven't let the other 90% go yet. I can't, but he can. So why don't I let him? Because some of the 90% that's on the back shelf of my brain might get me into a little bit of uncomfortableness. Because there may be a 5% chance that God says, hey, go talk to this stranger and ask him to pray for him. Well, that, that's not of my nature. I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to pray for that person, Lord. You mean go into my boss and tell him that I pray? I don't even like my boss. No, I like my one boss. Just kidding. You, you understand what I'm saying? And we get this, and then we turn around and things are happening in our lives. We say, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up? And he's, he's, he's doing what I did to my customer. I'm right here. Do you want me to take it all and give it back to you? I can do that, but it's already there. You're just not doing it. How come I keep getting myself into trouble? How come I keep getting angry when I shouldn't be angry? When I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my anger gets me in trouble every time. God, why do I come and help me? And he's saying, it's already on your shelf. You've just got to let me do it. But you're too stubborn and stiff-necked. And you don't allow me to mold you and deform you. And I'm putting you into situations that will make you angry. Not to make you angry, but if you'll just let me, I'll give you the tool to overcome your anger so that the situation then is settled. I can't. But God can. So why don't I let him Oh, uh, are you getting this? Are you understanding what I'm saying? I know this is a simple topic, but it's profound. Because every single one of us do this. All of us do this. There have been times where we have said yes really easy. We've said yes really easy. God said get married to Trish. Yes! God said to load trucks overnight. Okay. Right? It's sometimes easy to say yes. And then most of the time it's hard to say yes. Because most of the time, the reason why we can't get him off of our inventory shelf is because if we take it off of the shelf, it's going to replace something else in our hands. And we don't want to give up what's in our hands. God, I like doing this. But you're wanting to give me something different. And I can't do that if I'm holding on to this. Can I just tell you what a teacher told me in college? She said it this way. She says, I've held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But the things that I've kept in an open palm, I still possess. God's wanting to give you something. He's already given it to you. He's wanting you to access it. Because you can't do this thing called life on your own. I want to close with this. I want you to notice something in chapter 12 that we read. It's the very last sentence of chapter, or verse number two. It says this, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. When God created, he said it was a good creation. And Adam and Eve messed it all up. And you and I are still messing it up today. 
But when God steps into your life, it's the reason why we don't have a recovery ministry. We have a restoration ministry. Because we're not taking our lives back to where we started messing up. We're taking it back to where God created and said it's good. God wants to restore you to perfection. God is wanting to give you a hope beyond measure. God is wanting to put an influx. If you're getting baptized today, you are on the, one of the first steps and the greatest steps uh, of becoming a brand new creature. The Bible says for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ and you are buried with him in baptism that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you also shall receive the newness. Newness. Of a, you're getting a brand new life. When you come up out of that water, here's what it's going to be. You're going to be good. You couldn't do it, but he can. And now you're getting ready to let him. And when you let him, he always comes through. Always comes through. I can't. God can. So why don't we let him? Can you imagine? We've got, I think, 75 or 80 people here today. Can you imagine if every single one of us gave up trying to figure our life out? And let God just do it for each one of us? I'm talking to myself as well. Listen, I'm not a model of perfection. I, I know that God has greater things even for me. There's still inventory I haven't accessed. There's inventory that he's paid for that I haven't accessed yet. So why not? Why not make this Sunday? Why not make this Sunday the Sunday where we decide, okay, God, here I am. I'm presenting myself a living sacrifice. Take me and mold me and shape me and form me into exactly what you want me to be. I invite you to stand. At this time, I'm going to dismiss those that are planning to be baptized. If you'll go back, Carol, if you can be back there, and she'll give you a shirt, direct you, get the towels ready. So if you're here to be baptized, we're excited about this. It's going to be great. You'll see Carol right outside. She'll be able to help you. Isn't God good? As they're getting ready to, to be baptized, I feel it. I feel to say this. A part of what I am saying today, I can't, but God can, so why don't we let him it is not an emotion-based decision. Emotions will play into it. But remember what I read in, in Romans chapter 12. A living sacrifice. And be not transformed by, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, it's not an emotion-based thing. It's a mind-based thing. It's an intelligence-based thing. It is, and what I mean by intelligence, I'm talking information. Here's what I mean by that is, there are days where I don't feel like God can. I've messed up too bad. I've caused too much chaos. There's no way that God can get me out of this mess. There's no way God that can, can keep me. There's days I feel like that. But if my mind has been transformed, my mind overcomes my emotion and says that God is good. Like the song says all the time and all the time, God is good. So this is not an emotion-based 
response to the things of God right now. But here's what I want us to do. Because whether you realize it or not, this applies to everybody. So I'm not even asking for individuals. I'm just asking you as a a corporate body of believers right now, would you just close your eyes and raise your hands and say, God, I realize more than ever today that I can't do this on my own. 